the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. There's a ring of truth that is unmistakable Knowing that you cannot find them all And if you listen carefully And sometimes even if you don't You can hear that sound Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Ring of Truth our pastor and teacher, Dan Sexton, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel, Ellicott City. Please join Pastor Dan as he teaches through God's Word. You try to fight to get your way. Woe to you. And we might say today, good luck with that. Now, I think sometimes the worst thing that could happen is that the Lord gives us our way. And we fight to get our way. And the Lord, because He loves us, knows what's best for us, and He doesn't want to give us our way. But to get to the point where the Lord finally says, okay, you can have your way. Woe to you. Woe to you if you win that argument with God. Woe to you if you win that fight. Do you feel like you are striving and fighting with God to get your way on a matter? In today's message from Pastor Dan, he warns you against arguing with the Lord. God knows all things, and He knows what is best for you. Pastor Dan teaches that sometimes God will allow you to have your way, but woe to you if it turns out. Seek after God's desire for you. If He has told you no on a matter, listen to Him. Don't keep fighting for your way. God's way, even if you don't understand it at first, is always better than fighting for your own way. And now, open your Bibles to the book of Isaiah, chapter 45, as we join Pastor Dan for today's edition of Ring of Truth. The queen spoke, saying, O king, live forever. Do not let your thoughts trouble you, nor let your countenance change. There is a man in your kingdom, in whom is the spirit of the holy God. And in the days of your father, light and understanding and wisdom like the wisdom of the gods were found in him. And King Nebuchadnezzar, your father, your father the king, made him chief of the magicians, astrologers, Chaldeans, and soothsayers. Inasmuch as an excellent spirit, knowledge, understanding, interpreting dreams, solving riddles, explaining enigmas were found in this Daniel, whom the king named Belteshazzar. Now let Daniel be called... And he will give the interpretation. Now, Daniel was carried away by the Babylonians when he was a young man, probably in his teens. And now he's he's probably in his 80s. Now he's an elderly man. And the queen says, hey, I remember there was one of the Hebrews named Daniel and he could interpret dreams. You should call him, have him come in, see if he can explain what the writing on the wall means. Verse 13 Then Daniel was brought in before the king. The king spoke and said to Daniel, Are you that Daniel who is one of the captives from Judah, whom my father the king brought from Judah? I have heard of you that the Spirit of God is in you, 
and that light and understanding and excellent wisdom are found in you. Now the wise men, the astrologers, have been brought in before me that they should read this writing and make known to me its interpretation. But they could not give the interpretation of the thing. And I have heard of you that you can give interpretations and explain enigmas. Now if you can read the writing and make known to me its interpretation, you shall be clothed with purple and have a chain of gold around your neck and shall be the third ruler in the kingdom. Verse 17. Then Daniel answered. Remember, he, he's served the Lord his whole life. He's an elderly man at this point, maybe in his 80s. Then Daniel answered and said before the king, let your gifts be for yourself and give your rewards to another. I don't want your gifts. I'm not interested in any, any gift. You can give them to someone else. Yet I will read the writing to the king and make known to him the interpretation O king, the most high God gave Nebuchadnezzar, your father, a kingdom and majesty, glory and honor. And because of the majesty that he gave him, all peoples, nations and languages trembled and feared before him. Whomever he wished, he executed. Whomever he wished, he kept alive. Whomever he wished, he set up. And whomever he wished, he put down. But when his heart was lifted up, And his spirit was hardened in pride. He was deposed from his kingly throne and they took his glory from him. And then he was driven from the sons of men. His heart was made like the beasts and his dwelling was like the wild donkeys. They fed him with grass like oxen and his body was wet with the dew of heaven till he knew that the most high God rules in the kingdom of men and appoints over it whomever he chooses. Here is old man Daniel here, Daniel the prophet, and he's, he's standing before this young king who historically we know just spent his days just drinking and partying and on immorality. And he can picture this old man, Daniel, standing before him, and he says, hey, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll interpret the writing for you, but let me tell you a little story about your dad, maybe something you don't know. And he begins to explain to him how it was the most high God. It was Jehovah who blessed him and brought him glory and honor and majesty and gave him this great kingdom and this great power. But then your father became prideful and God humbled him and took it all away from him until he realized and acknowledged that God is the most high God. And so here he he shares this story with Belshazzar about his dad, Nebuchadnezzar. Because Belshazzar is doing the same thing. And it's just interesting here that Daniel would, you know, try to warn this this king about his lifestyle and his and his pride before answering his question. So he goes on in verse 22. Now, he says, but you, his son, Belshazzar, have not humbled your heart, although you knew all this. You, You know what happened to your dad when he became prideful. And you're following in the same pattern as your father. And you have lifted yourself up against the Lord of heaven. They have brought the vessels of his house before you. And you and your lords, your wives and your concubines have drunk wine from them. You've praised the gods of silver and gold, bronze and iron, wood and stone. Now, remember, Daniel wasn't in the room when they were doing this. This, he's, He's speaking prophetically here. The Lord is revealing this to him. He's got a word of knowledge here. 
you know, you, you praise the gods of silver and gold, bronze and iron, wood and stone, which do not see or hear or know. And the God who holds your breath in his hand and owns all your ways, you have not glorified. And that's true for all of us. God holds our breath in his hand and he holds all of our ways. He holds our very next breath. Then the fingers of the hand were sent from him, from God. And this writing was written. And this is the inscription that was written. Mini, mini, tekel, eupharsin. And this is the interpretation of each word. Mini. It means God has numbered your kingdom and finished it. You're done, is what he's saying to him. Your, your number is up. Tekel. You have been weighed in the balances and found wanting. You're lacking. When God judges you, you're lacking. Perez. Your kingdom has been divided and given to the Medes and Persians. Again, they're outside the wall. Their army's right outside the wall. Then Belshazzar gave the command and they clothed Daniel with purple, put a chain of gold around his neck and made a proclamation concerning him that he should be the third ruler in the kingdom. But he doesn't repent. He doesn't repent. Daniel was faithful to share the truth with him, but he doesn't repent. And that very night, Belshazzar, king of the Chaldeans, was slain. And Darius, the Mede, he he was a general under Cyrus, received the kingdom, being about 62 years old. We know from history that what Cyrus, the king, with his Persian army, what they did, as they're outside the walls of Babylon, what they did is... They went a few miles upstream on the Euphrates River and they diverted the water so that the water stopped or slowed that was flowing into the city under the city walls. And the water level went down enough that they were able to enter the city through the riverbed going under the wall into the city that same night as as Daniel, the prophet, is there warning the Babylonians that this judgment is about to fall upon them. The uh, Medo-Persians are coming into the city under the city wall undetected. Once they get in through that first wall, they come to that second wall that has all of the gates, over a 100 gates, and they find that many of the gates have been left unlocked because the Babylonians are so, in their pride, they're so certain nobody's going to get into the city. They don't even bother locking the doors inside the city wall. And so if you go back to Isaiah 45, now if you remember as part of this prophecy that was spoken of Cyrus the king in verse 1, the Lord said he would open the doors for Cyrus so that the gate would not be shut. He says in verse 2, I will break in pieces the gates of bronze and cut the bars of iron The Lord did it for Cyrus so that when they got to those gates, the gates were open, the gates were unlocked, and they were able to go into the city of Babylon and just take it without any contest because everybody's drunk at this party and they're not ready to defend their city. And so the Persians go in and just take the city without any real battle at all. Now, here's the cool thing. Josephus tells us, And his writings that when Cyrus enters the city, that Daniel, the prophet, meets him and greets him 
as he comes into the city and Daniel the prophet presents Cyrus the Persian king with a copy of the scroll of Jeremiah and the scroll of Isaiah. And Daniel the prophet showed Cyrus the king this passage in Isaiah 44 and 45 where God, 150 years before, mentioned Cyrus by name and that Cyrus would save the Jews and allow them to go back to Jerusalem and rebuild their temple. Now, if you remember last week in our study, Ezra chapter 1, when Cyrus issues the decree to allow the Jews to go back to Jerusalem to rebuild their temple, it says in Ezra chapter 1, Cyrus speaking, he says that the Lord Jehovah has commanded me to build him a house in the city of Jerusalem. Now, how did Cyrus know that? Because Daniel the prophet showed him Isaiah 44 and Isaiah 45 when he came into the city of Babylon. You're listening to Ring of Truth with Pastor Dan Sexton. We'll have more from this message in a moment. But first, we'd like to tell you about an exciting resource available this Christmas season. Here's Pastor Dan to tell you more. Christmas can be a very busy time of year for most of us, and in our busyness, we can forget the reason for the season, Jesus Christ. So my wife, Cameron, wrote a wonderful daily devotional called 31 Days of December. This simple devotional is written for women and is designed to help you keep Jesus at the center of your Christmas season. We would be happy to mail you a copy as our thank you for your investment of any amount in this daily radio ministry. To receive your copy of 31 Days of December, visit our website at calvaryec.com and click on Give. Now, let's finish today's message. And so that's what he does. He releases the Jews. He allows them to go back to Jerusalem, those that want to go, to rebuild Jerusalem and to rebuild their temple. Now, back in Isaiah 45, verse 3, the Lord again speaking to Cyrus, I will give you the treasures of darkness and hidden riches of secret places. Cyrus is able to take the treasures of all of the nations that he conquered. That, here's why the Lord does this, that you, Cyrus, may know that I, the Lord Jehovah, look what it says, who call you by your name, am the God of Israel, for Jacob my servant's sake, and Israel my elect. I have called you by your name. I have named you, though you have not known me. The Lord says, I have named you. And he says here in verse 3 and verse 4, he gives us the reason why he has called Cyrus. He has done this for Israel's sake. For Jacob, my servant's sake, and for Israel, my elect. Here the Lord tells Cyrus, this this is why I've given you so much favor. This is why I've given you victory. This is why I've made you powerful. This is why I've allowed you to conquer the Babylonians for my people's sake. Not for your sake, but for my people's sake. And notice here too, the Lord three times in these two verses, he says, I have called you by your name. He says to Cyrus, I have called you. By your name, I have named you. 150 years before you became king, I called you by your name so that you will know that I'm the Lord and that I'm the one who has done this for you. 
He says at the end of verse four, he says, I, I have named you, though you have not known me. Cyrus was a pagan. He was not a worshiper of Jehovah. He was a pagan. He worshiped a God named Marduk, not Marmaduke, <laughs> but Marduk, which was a Persian God. He's, he's not a believer. And even though he's not a believer, God has done all of these things for him and has told him and mentioned his name specifically. So Cyrus will know that this is the Lord God of Israel doing this for his people. Look at verse five. I am the Lord and there is no other. There is no other God. There is no God besides me. I will gird you, though you have not known me. Again, he's speaking to Cyrus that they may know from the rising of the sun to its setting that there is none besides me. I am the Lord and there is no other. Now, remember at this time, too, Israel has forsaken Jehovah and they're worshiping other gods. They've turned to other gods. And here the Lord is declaring, I'm the only God. There are no other gods. I'm the only one. Verse seven, I form the light and I create darkness. I make peace and create calamity. I, the Lord, do all these things. Now, if you have the old King James Version, your translation says, I make peace and I create evil instead of calamity. And some people get really hung up on that, that it says that God creates evil. And how could God create evil? There have even been some false teachings throughout church history. One in particular, there's a false teaching in church history, and you still kind of hear a hint of it sometimes in the church today. There was a teaching that became popular that said that the God of the Old Testament is different from the God of the New Testament. Have you ever, anybody ever heard of that before? That it's two different gods. That the basis of that teaching came from verse 7 of Isaiah 45, that it says that God makes peace and he makes evil in the old King James Version. And so they develop this whole false teaching that, well, it's a different, it's a different God in the Old Testament. But the word evil here in the King James, the translation, the word doesn't mean morally evil. It means, it means calamity. God makes peace and God makes calamity, the opposite of peace. And the Persians, though, Cyrus and the Persians, they had different gods for each of these things. They had a god of light. They had a god of darkness. They had a god of peace. They had a god of calamity. They thought it was all different gods. And you try to appease the god of light through your sacrifices. And you try to appease the god of peace through your sacrifices so that, you know, he can overcome the god of calamity or the god of darkness. And they they envisioned that these gods that they worshipped had kind of this you know, war going on, these battles going on. And so they tried to uh, you know, encourage and appease certain gods so that they could be stronger than these other gods. And so they thought these were all different gods that determined the light and darkness and peace and calamity. But here the Lord says, I do all these things. It's all me. I'm the only God. I'm the only one. Rain down, you heavens, from above. Let the skies pour down righteousness. 
Let the earth open. Let them bring forth salvation. Let righteousness spring up together. I, the Lord, have created. God will use Cyrus to bring righteousness to his people and salvation to his people. In the Psalms, Psalm 126, this is after they came back from the captivity. It says, when the Lord brought back the captivity of Zion, We were like those who dream. Then our mouth was filled with laughter and our tongue with singing. Then they said among the nations, the Lord has done great things for them. The Lord has done great things for us. And we are glad you know, the the psalmist says, when, when we were freed by the Persians and we were able to come back from the captivity, it was like we were living in a dream. We never thought we'd get out of Babylon. It was like a dream to us. Our mouths were filled with laughter and singing as we were praising God for what he's done for us. Cyrus brings, you know, rains down righteousness. He's going to rain down salvation upon God's people, the Jews. Now look at verse nine. Verse nine says, woe to him who strives with his maker. You strive with God. You try to fight God. Woe to you. Woe to you. You try to fight to get your way. Woe to you. And we might say today, good luck with that. Now, I think sometimes the worst thing that could happen is that the Lord gives us our way. And we fight to get our way. And the Lord, because he loves us, knows what's best for us. And he doesn't want to give us our way. But to get to the point where the Lord finally says, "Okay, you can have your way. Woe to you. Woe to you if you win that argument with God. Woe to you if you win that fight. Woe to him who strives with his maker. And I love the rest of verse nine. Let the potsherd strive with the potsherds of the earth. (laughs) You know, if you want to fight with someone, fight with other people. Don't fight with God. You know, it's okay to fight with other people or whatever to try to get your way with them. But woe to you if you try to strive with God. Shall the clay say to him who forms it, what are you making? Or shall your handiwork say, well, he has no hands. The idea here is being critical, being critical of the maker. You know, he says, shall the clay, shall the clay say to him who forms it, what are you making? You know, does does the clay say to the potter, hey, why are you making me like that? Why don't you make me this way instead of that way? Or, or to the person, the craftsman who makes something, his handiwork. Well, you didn't make it with hands. It's a criticism. You should have made it with hands. It would be better with hands. And you're arguing. And, and the idea here is, of course, the clay would never argue with the potter. The wood would never argue with the craftsman or the carpenter about the way that they're made. Woe to him who says to his father, What are you begetting? Or to the woman, to his mother, what have you brought forth? You know, you think of a a newborn baby. A newborn baby isn't critical of his or her parents. A newborn baby doesn't say to his parents, why do you do it that way? Why are you dressing me in a blue onesie and not a white onesie? I hate blue onesies. Why are you feeding me strained carrots? I'd rather have strained apples, right? a, A newborn baby doesn't, doesn't argue, isn't critical, doesn't question his parents. That happens 
years later, and they begin to question. He asked me how I know, and I say, bring truer than the finest crystal. That's all we have time for today on Ring of Truth. We're so glad you joined Pastor Dan Sexton for his verse-by-verse study through the book of Isaiah. This extraordinary book is quoted in the New Testament more than any other Old Testament book. Plus, it provides us with the most comprehensive picture of Jesus Christ in the Old Testament. It includes the full scope of His life and ministry, from His virgin birth to His sacrificial death to His resurrection and second coming in glory. If you'd like a copy of today's message, you'll be able to find it on our website, calvaryec.com. You can also subscribe to our podcast so you never miss an edition of this program. That website again is calvaryec.com. We'd love to hear from you too and learn how Ring of Truth has blessed you. Please take some time soon to give us a call at 410-491-4592. Let us know how God is working in your life and if there's anything that we can be praying for during this study of Isaiah. That number again is 410-491-4592. With that, our time with you has come to an end. We pray the Lord bless and keep you and that your faith is deepened with each passing day. Tune in next time to continue our study of the book of Isaiah right here on Ring of Truth. It's true.